0: and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle Podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to get back at a man and plot his demise, uh, because he's been cheating on all of us. And we're also going to, I guess, go out on a boat with him, because we're trying to have him fall in love with us, and all that. But anyway, regardless of all that, uh, today's episode, we're going to be covering 2006's John Tucker Must Die. Now, in this movie... This movie in particular, I hadn't really watched it before. Really, I it came out in two thousand six. This was peak like high school for me because I started high school in this year. I remember the kind of marketing of this movie, or at least kind of remember it in my general um, universe, I guess. Because it was targeted to teens. He was a PG 13 movie, so of course. But I never really had watched it, but I did see that there were people who had reacted to it years later on YouTube. I was like, oh, well, okay, like this movie is out there. And I I wonder just watching those reactions and kind of getting bits and pieces of what the movie was. I was like, all right. But then I decided to watch the movie myself because it came on Stars, I think it was. I was like, all right, well, let me go and watch this, I guess, for the first time. And I watched it and also this is a movie that uh, I'll talk a little later but it was directed by Betty Thomas who we've covered on the podcast before with the Brady Bunch movie so I thought and of course she's you know done private parts with Howard Stern she was in True Beverly Hills you know as an actress and, and I just thought like you know alright well I'll, I'll give this movie a shot because I don't really know what to think of it really and so in this situation though like I will say that just my general thoughts I guess are um, this movie in particular 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 i think suffers from not great writing but i do think that the performances in it aren't terrible or anything i think i love a britney snow movie of course and i think like Ashanti and, like, Sophia Bush and uh, Ariel Kebble, You know, I I think they do a good job, you know, in the film. They're not bad or anything. Um, I just think the writing's kind of weak, really. And it was directed by a woman and then written by a man. And you can kind of tell, honestly. And so uh, I think, like, this movie kind of doesn't have the messaging's all over the place i think with it but i think overall it it's a movie that was targeted at teens and i think it has kind of garnered a certain cult classic feel to it because it's a movie that is very much like cool to kind of see these girls get together and want to plot to take down this guy who you know um is kind of three time in all of them you know and to let him get a piece of his own own medicine if you will i guess yeah i think overall though i i see why this movie maybe didn't um do great in the the critical response because I don't think Betty Thomas did a bad job directing I don't think I, I think it's the, the page what's on the page is what the issue was but anyway and this was suggested by a friend of the show Barbie love you Barbie be on the lookout she might be coming on the show you know so we'll tease that a little bit but yeah she, she suggested this to me uh, when I asked like hey uh, she's been coming in with the suggestions which I love and because I had watched it, I was like alright let me cover it I think that would be fun And and again I think it's an interesting little teen movie that is a little different than what, this is definitely influenced by something like Mean Girls, of course, but you know, I I think it tries to have its own voice and it only gets so far there, do you know what I mean? So, but without further ado though, uh, we're going to move into some figures of the movie, move into a little bit about production history, and then we'll move into a plot summary of the film. So let's get on with those figures. So John Tucker Must Die was released on July 28th, 2006, and was directed by Betty Thomas, written by Jeff Lowell, and produced by Bob Cooper and Michael Birnbaum. We're looking at an estimated budget of about $18 million, and a gross U.S. and Canada box office of $41 million or so. And we're looking at a gross worldwide box office of 68844775 and we're looking at a Rotten Tomatoes score of a 27% on the tomato meter and a 69% audience score we're looking at a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb and a Letterboxd score of 3.0 out of 5 for our cast of characters we have Brittany Snow as Kate Spencer Jesse Metcalf as John Tucker Ashanti as Heather Montgomery Sophia Bush as Beth McIntyre Arielle Kebble as Carrie Schaefer Penn Badgley as Scott Tucker Fatso Fasano as Tommy, Jenny McCarthy as Lori Spencer, Patricia Drake as Coach Williams, Taylor Kitsch as Justin, Kevin McNulty as the basketball coach, Amber Borrikin as Jennifer, Megan Ory as Jill, Greg Sipes as Guy at Party, Samantha McLloyd as Holly, Nicole Laplaca as Molly, and the band People in Plains as themselves. Some critical response quotes about John Tucker Must Die are as follows. We have Mike Sage from the Petersboro this week who states, Betty Thomas's sloppy storytelling and comic incompetence can be forgiven, but to portray young women as flighty airheads obsessed with boys all over else, is downright offensive. We then have Linda Cook from the Quad City Times in Davenport, Iowa, who states, Here's an average teen movie with a predictable but often entertaining spin on revenge. And then we have Betty Jo Tucker from Real Talk Movie Reviews, who states, This one suffers from a bad case of predictability. It's also hard to believe, mostly, because... Cast members look too old to be high school students. So before we move into any kind of a plot summary about John Tucker Must Die, I wanted to go over just some production history uh, that I thought was kind of interesting about this film exactly. So I found this information from madeinatlantis.com, so I'm going to be pulling from that. But the idea of John Tucker Must Die came from the screenwriter Jeff Lowell when he was entertaining his own romantic revenge fantasies. He says, quote, I came to the conclusion that all heartbreak begins in the formative teenage years and started thinking about my own high school, where there was the big man on campus that every girl drooled over, including my girlfriend. Even back then, I realized there was nothing I could do about it. You can't define yourself by who you're dating. And then I thought about the popular girls at school, who they were and how they acted. And I remembered how every clique had a leader. And no matter what the group represented, the hottest one was always in charge. Even the smart girls, quote unquote, deferred to the prettier girls, to lead them, even if she wasn't particularly smart. With these memories of his in mind, he set out to write the script that would eventually become John Tucker Must Die. So then this screenplay ended up finding its way to producer Bob Cooper, who was the former president of both HBO and TriStar Pictures, and was the ex production head of DreamWorks, and he now runs Landscape Entertainment, or at least at the time of this article. Bob Cooper's quoted as saying is that when I first read the script, I thought, wow, it's got all the ingredients. It was breezy, fun, and comedic. Uh, but it also had a relatable theme, which to me is the most critical thing. It's about how everyone in high school pretends to be something that they're not, just to have some kind of acceptable identity. This, of course, makes it hard for anyone to know who anyone really is. It's a vicious cycle. And so, in about nine months of Cooper bringing the script to 20th Century Fox, they gave the green light on John Tucker Must Die. And Cooper is quoted as saying, they saw what I saw in it, a big, fun movie. They just needed a director to actually execute it. And that enters. Betty Thomas, who directed the Brady Bunch movie, Private Parts, Dr. Doolittle, was an actor in her own right. Cooper is quoted as saying that Betty has a very specific vision for the film, and she wanted it to be more than just your typical fast-cutting MTV-style youth movie. And she was obsessed with giving John Tucker a design, an aura, and an energy all its own. I always found her an extraordinary framer of comedy and knew her work would here be no exception. So uh, Betty Thomas also was intrigued by the the script, she said that the story uh, felt fresher and more real than the average romantic comedy. And I felt like I had never done a film like this, one that's about finding out about the world of romance, how it affects you, what it means. And I love the idea of exploring all the games that go into having a relationship, real or fake. And so they had to go out and cast the movie. So rising star at the time, Brittany Snow, was brought on to play Kate, the new girl in school, who um, is giving... John Tucker, kind of a taste of his own medicine. She had uh, been on American Dreams and also in the movie The Pacifier by this point. And Brittany Snow is a quoted as saying, I really, really identified with Kate. I'd never read a script where I felt a part was so me. And she also thought that it'd be a great chance to play the underdog because it's not often that these characters get to play the lead. So in this way, I guess she's seen as the underdog, which in a way, in the beginning, she definitely is. Brittany goes on to say that Kate and I had very similar experiences. We both moved around a lot during school. We're both kind of dorky. I identified with her quirks and how, as more of the quiet observer type, she was constantly just being overlooked. And kids in high school just don't take the time to notice people that are a little under the radar. And for the role of John Tucker, they decided to cast a gentleman who had just made a... a, a mark in TV on *Dexter's Housewives, uh, Jesse Metcalf, who he was the gardener on that show. And so Bob Cooper said, we needed an actor who didn't only just look the part, but also could play basketball. And Jesse knew his way around the hoops and liked to do his own stunts. And he really fit the bill. And Betty Thomas even says that Jesse is so easy to respond to. He's Yes, he's attractive, charming, relaxed, and athletic. uh, But he also makes you feel at home, like you're the only person in the room. And that's John Tucker's greatest strength as to why all these girls respond to him. Uh, Once I realized that Jesse didn't even have to really audition, he just was the one. So yeah, that's what happened with that. So Jesse Metcalf says that I definitely wasn't John Tucker in high school. He was more of an alternative kid who was into music and dyeing his hair different colors. He kind of marched to his own beat. You know, he wasn't popular enough to be in really any clique, but he had like like one good, real good friend and that was probably just like a little reclusive. And so it was kind of a nice little stretch for him to take. In this situation. But, you know, he knew that uh, it'd be, it was really careful to play someone like John Tucker, because it's a really easy role to turn into a caricature. And, you know, I think he wanted to do something a little bit different with that. So... Thought that was cool. And then a trio of young actresses to, you know, play his ex-girlfriends. So, like, uh, Errol Kebble, who had been in Aquamarine, she was hired to play Carrie. Uh, she talks about uh, how this is the kind of girl a guy would want to bring home to his parents. Then you have Ashanti, who had just been in Coach Carter at the time. Um, she was chosen to play the head cheerleader, Heather. And she says iron uh, ironically she she was a cheerleader in high school and belonged to, that cl- to a clique. So, you know, her and that character kind of shared some similarities. And then, of course, Sophia Bush, who had just been uh, on One Tree Hill and that ended up turning into a really big success, she was cast as um, Beth, the vegan environmentalist. And she liked how it looked at how men modify their behavior to be with women and the lies that they tell to keep them interested. And she also said the script said a lot about friendship how boyfriends come and go um, but friends are forever and that's a really great message and she wanted to be a part of it and then as the main adult in the film they chose jenny mccarthy uh because why not she's always played these kind of characters that are kind of wacky and comedic so for her to be able to play this was a little bit of a different thing and of course jenny mccarthy you know why not uh i don't agree with jenny mccarthy's views on um vaccines and how to cure autism but okay whatever you know she's still kind of fun But uh, principal photography for this film began in Vancouver, so this is a Canadian film. Why do you think uh, Shalene Simmons is there? But uh, most of this movie was shot there. And so, yeah, this is actually set in the Pacific Northwest, though. So the decision to shoot in Vancouver really worked out, though. Uh, And during the location scout, a little happy accident happened. So uh, during this time, so they found Heritage Woods Secondary School, which would become the fictional high school. And so this was, like, in... Um, in vancouver and it had been built with an eye to the future and in response to all the housing developments so it just so happened that like it worked out to be like a pretty cool high school it had all the elements that they needed and then then some Um, it offered some different looks that they needed and as they were shooting over the summer they were able to use the empty auditoriums as stages so it kind of helped them save a little bit i think too as well which is kind of cool Uh, so the school and its grounds were converted into 30 different fully dressed sets, including the library, the science room, the gym, the cafeteria, the hallway, the locker room, the war room, the track, and the parking lot, along with Kate's bedrooms and six different kitchens. So they literally used this school for what it was (laughs) and they were able to like offload their equipment stored in, um, classrooms, Come back next morning and everything would be right there. And it was really efficient to work there, which was kind of cool. I didn't even know that. Uh, Betty Thomas wanted to keep it really real, so using a, a more modern-looking building really fit into there. And this is Marsha Hines saying this. It looks exactly what like how um, new suburban high schools looked nowadays. It's no longer the red brick and little desks. You know, it was something that was um it was a little bit more visually inventive which was a challenge for you know um a stark concrete and wood structure um and so they really wanted to make sure that they transformed this place as well they chose like maroon burgundy and gray um to kind of be the school's colors and they also used actually the existing team of the school the kodiaks so that's actually what the the mascot was uh so it kind of fit together really and again it's just really cool that they use the school like this Um, And it saved them time and money, really. so when the kids came back in September, uh, the entire school was professionally decorated, which was really cool. So, I mean, if anything, I feel like this movie, you know, it was definitely targeted to girls on MySpace because I think that's why they had that kind of, like, big uh, push for teen girls to watch this, of course. And, I mean, it ended up doing fine in the financials, I guess, and the critics, I don't really think a whole lot of them loved it. But I think, if anything again I think the big thing about this movie is that it I don't think the directing was that bad but I do think the writing could have been a little bit better um when I think about it too with someone like Jeff Lowell um he had really only written TV before this um this was his first like feature film really he went on to do like you know hotel for dogs and over her dead body and stuff like that so I mean you know not to say I, I don't I don't know if he uh maybe is the strongest writer perhaps but again i think this movie does squarely fit into some sort of kind of cult classic type of type of thing you know um it's just one of those like mid 2000s teen girl movies you know that i think is kind of fun for what it is maybe it doesn't have the best messaging sometimes. Um, it's a little bit mixed, but it is cool to see these chicks, you know, together and taking out a guy and try to teach him a lesson. And I think that's always really interesting. So why not? Uh, but without further ado, though, we're going to move into a plot summary of John Tucker Must Die. So we begin our film where we have our intro to Kate, who's played by Brittany Snow. And we learn a little bit about who she is and how she's kind of like this invisible person. You know, she's always kind of been kind of an outsider, if you will, as if we're supposed to believe that Britney Snow is somehow like ugly or like not a popular person. But okay, whatever. But that's our intro to Kate, right? So we see her. And then we also meet her mom, Lori, played by Jenny McCarthy. I have opinions about jenny mccarthy because i don't understand how she thinks that vaccines made her son autistic, but whatever anyway but uh she's in this movie and she plays her mom and, and what we learn pretty much is that Lori has had some not great luck with men i guess and kate even talks about how like uh she has a very mature way of dealing with it where it's just her eating chocolate frosting which i thought was very funny anyway so We then get a little bit of an intro to this idea of Skip, and this is a fun little name that Kate has given the guys that come into her mom's life, pretty much, because she never actually learns their names, because she just calls them Skip, because they just end up leaving, and we then have uh, our intro to John Tucker, who's played by Jesse Metcalf uh, in this movie, so uh, Kate's pretty much the new girl in school, and so this movie's not really about, like, her, I guess, like how she's, she's our narrator of the movie. But it is about John Tucker and talking about who John Tucker is, how he's like this, you know, really popular guy. He's the captain of the basketball team. He's the most popular guy in school and all this stuff. This is Jesse Metcalf coming off of um, Desperate Housewives, where he was literally uh, having an affair with one of the housewives as the gardener. So um, we then have our intros to each respective girlfriend Um, and this is all happening at a basketball game too so we have carrie who's played by ariel krebel who had been an aquamarine she was a model all that and she is like this type a uh student journalist she's like kind of a broadcast journalist person or whatever at the school um that's who she is We have our intro to Heather, played by the one and only Ashanti. Rain on me and, you know, all the songs. Uh, She is the head cheerleader of the cheerleading squad of the Kodiaks, which is the team that uh, John is on, and is actually the real-life team of the school that they shot at, which is kind of fun. And then we see, well, we don't really learn her name, but we have uh, Sophia Bush is here. We end up finding out her name is Beth, but I swear to God, like, literally you don't know her name until, like, 20 minutes into the movie, I swear to God. But anyway, so like, she is like this vegan. Uh, environmental activist. She holds up with her friends like this. It's like this banner that says "Chicks for Chicks." I am not a nugget or something. It, it's so weird. She's like, kill the bob. Uh, kill the bobcats. Not real bobcats because you know they're endangered, which is very kind of fun. But that's kind of like our opening part of the movie. So we get a little bit about Kate and her mom and how their relationship, or how her mom's relationship with men has been, and kind of how she feels about that. We also have uh, Taylor Kitsch. In here, Um, he plays the neighbor guy who's bringing over some cookies or something like that. And that's where we meet uh, Lori, the mom, because her mom is very hot, Jenny McCarthy. So, you know, the guy uh, who's coming over with the cookies like is all enamored with her mom and all that. So... So then we have Kate is at work. So again, she's uh, she's moved around because of her mom and this whole thing. Not like mermaids, I guess, but like still just like this, you know, she, her mom moves every so often. So she doesn't really get to have a whole lot of... She doesn't get to set up roots anywhere, I guess. And we have Kate who's at work. So she works at a restaurant. Um, and so she's there. And then what she finds out, though, is... Because John is there and he's brought one of the girls, Carrie, who is like speaking French to him a little bit. And he's like, oh God, you're so sexy when you speak French. Then Kate sees that heather is with him and then that beth is with him and so she finds out that john has these three girlfriends that he is brought to the same place um he puts on these different kind of personalities with each one you know um so for example like with heather like he just orders for her uh and all that and then like with Beth he acts like he's like really environmentally conscious and all this so we then have so she's Kate's there and she's with her co-worker um, played by uh, Shelaine Simmons uh, this movie is very Canadian I wish they threw Catherine Isabel in here you know how I feel about her uh, but Shelaine Simmons she was in the 2002 remake of Carrie she's in this movie she was also in she was in Final Destination 3 um, as one of the girls who's burned up in the tanning bed um, but she also is the little girl from the beginning beginning of the it miniseries back in the 90s she's the one that uh spoiler alert but Pennywise kills in the beginning um that is not Georgie but anyway so then we, we find out that uh this is how we find out that like John Tucker just dates girls from different groups so that they never run into each other and Kate's all like you know like, how do you know all this stuff? And then she's like, just a guess. Because obviously, like, she you know, has been taken advantage of by John Tucker before. Um, and I, I hate how Shalane Simmons does not have a name in this movie. She's just known as Crying Waitress in the, in the uh, credits. That's kind of shady. But anyway, so then we have the penultimate, um, song of this movie, which is Dirty Little Secret from The All-American Rejects, and I love me some All-American Rejects, but yes, this song is peak 2006, and it's, like, really fun, and of course, like, it goes along with this fucking movie. Oh my gosh, hilarious, but anyway, so, but John's, like, walking around the school, he's, like, kind of, uh, checking in on each, uh, of his girls' friends that he has, and, uh, We end up finding out that so he's walking down, he's walking up the stairs of the school, and then uh, we have one of the coaches coming down the stairs, and somehow, some way, she ends up having a mild heart attack or whatever. And so, what ends up happening is that the first and second period gym classes had to be mixed together, and so they have obviously the other coach just like almost died. So then they have the uh, other coach that's there. I don't remember the coach's name, but it's played by uh, she's played by Patricia Drake who is, like, a voiceover actress. Uh, for those people who are liked the Saved movie, um, she's actually the mom of Dean in that movie that's in the beginning, uh, which I thought was kind of fun. They're going to be doing this uh, volleyball game, right? I also like how there's the goths in this. Um, there's, like, these goth people in it. And it's, like, very funny. Like, one of them says, like, like, my name's Lucretia, or whatever. It's, like, really silly. But anyway, um, they have this game of volleyball, though, and so they're playing volleyball back and forth, and then I think it's... I believe it is Carrie who says something about how she's dating John Tucker because she's like whispering it. And then Heather overhears this and like pretty much hits Carrie with the ball. And then what ends up happening pretty much is that um, they get into this fight. So all three of these girls who all are saying like, I'm dating John Tucker. No, I'm dating John Tucker and whatever. They're all getting to a fight with one another. And then Kate gets up in there and she's just like, she's like, you guys are, this guy is like, two-timing you guys and like you're beating each other up and then so of course what ends up happening because they're all uh because like you get like the one use of shit in this movie or something and of course the gym teacher's like language um and then what ends up happening is they all have detention then so then (laughs) the girls end up going to detention but before that though they, because Brittany Stowe gets to detention first, but she then ends up meeting Scott. That's what we know his name to be right now. Um, and this is played by the one and only Penn Badgley from, you know, now he's in You, but he was in this movie, Easy A, a couple different movies back in the day. I didn't mean to rhyme, but I did. But anyway, so we find out, actually pretty early that Scott is John Tucker's younger brother technically and so you know but he's like singing I want you to want me like off key or whatever and so this is how they have their little meeting with him and Kate I like how she says the one line where she's just like I, you know, I want to be early to be detained or something. It's very, very silly. But anyway, so detention then starts. So Scott leaves. And so they're talking to one another. And so because again, they don't know each other like that. So uh, they don't think anything of one another, but they're talking to one another. But they all find out that John Tucker obviously has dated all of them. But then What they end up finding out is that each one of them has been told the same shit over and over from John. And so this kind of pisses them off anyway, because before then, maybe they were just like, oh, no, I'm dating him. No, I'm dating him. But now they're knowing like, oh, he's actually just played all of us pretty much. They find that out and then Kate puts her kind of outside perspective into this where she's just like, you know, well, I, I'm not going to like, you know, fight somebody. I'm going to, I would want to get even with them, you know? And so they're kind of just like, who is this girl though? Like what, who the hell is she? Uh, But she seems to have like this understanding of how men are and, you know, she's gotten this because of her mom and her own kind of like experience with that. But then Kate comes home and she's in her room. And then I think her mom like comes in and is like borrowing an outfit of hers or something like that. And what ends up happening, because her mom says, like, you have a friend at the door and, uh... (laughs) Yes. so this is Carrie at the door and like she comes in and what ends up happening is that all three of the girls come over to her house. They just found her house somehow and uh, they end up devising this plan. And pretty much the plan is, is that they're getting together to try to figure out how to bring down John Tucker. So like um, that's kind of the idea that they have. They, they think of it at her house of like, okay, what do we got to do? We have to like, what, what can we do? Like what made you interested in John Tucker? Because then they actually get together at, I guess, the media immersion room. I just pulled out, like, a Degrassi term there. But, like, you know, uh, they get together and, like, wherever the hell Carrie takes them in the school, um, and they're trying to figure out how to bring down John Tucker. And so what they decide and what they kind of come to the realization of is that, all right, well, this guy is, like, really attractive and he is, you know, obviously been t- 2 time and everybody, right? But how do we make him what's the worst thing we could do to him? And instead of killing him, I guess, I don't know why this movie is called John Tucker Must Die, but okay. They decide, okay, well, we have to make him undateable. You know, for somebody who's really attractive and can kind of have their pick of the the bunch, right? How do you, how, what do you do to to ruin that for them? And, and it's pretty much to make them undateable. So... I think we have Beth, who has a a photo shoot happen with uh, John, and so this guy is taking pictures of John, and I'm just saying, like, Jesse Metcalf looks really good, I mean, he was of age at this time, don't want to make it weird, because they are supposed to be in high school, I do think that this would have probably worked a little bit better if it was in college, kind of, I think it would have been more interesting, but, you know, I didn't fucking make this movie, but anyway, so, they uh, have this photo shoot, though, and, and, you know it's fine all dandy he's just like okay whatever i'll guess i'll do it and what ends up happening is that he then takes this girl out to the movies and uh he's at the movies with this girl and then i think the uh the, uh, the other girls the through the gang if you will i love using the term the gang the gang the kids whatever <laughs> um they end up uh i guess going to the movies too or they're kind of scoping out what this is and john goes to the movies with this lady and there's like the little kind of ads before the not the trailers but like the ads that show up during before the movies or whatever which was a thing and still is a thing i guess but anyway um (laughs) there's this ad uh that comes up with john be like oh that's kind of fun but it ends up being that it's about genital no it's about uh herpes is what it is and uh that you know Herpes is no laughing matter, or whatever, and be like, uh, I have it too, or whatever. So it makes it seem like, oh, this guy has herpes. And so it like skeeves out the girl that he's on the date with and all that kind of stuff. And they think, like, okay, cool, cool. Like, you know, they're, they're, Ruining his life, the ruining his image, and whatever. But then he ends up spinning it, and he ends up, because of, I don't know, misogyny or whatever the hell, I don't have any idea. But, um, <laughs> or patriarchy, I don't know. But, like, uh, he ends up spinning it, and he becomes a damn hero where he wins the Teen Responsibility Awards, where even though he himself doesn't have herpes, you know, um, whatever he has like he he just ends up getting this spun around where he's able to make something positive of it and then of course you have the girl um on stage who has the the facial herpes or whatever and they tries kissing him and he doesn't want that because of course but why not but anyway so then they're like, all right, well, that didn't work. God damn it. Like, what the hell? So then they they come over again, though. And this is where I think they meet her mom, Kate's mom, uh, because, you know, they're like, hey, girls, what do you eat up to? And then they're like, ruining a man's life and be like, oh, well, play nice girls. And of course, they get like the Diet Coke out of the, you know, um, <laughs> the good, wonderful Diet Coke um, out of the fridge and they're drinking it. But anyway, so then they devise this other plan. So what ends up happening is. They're trying to think, okay, well, that didn't work with the herpes thing, so now we got to think of another plan. And so the other plan that they think of is actually uh, conceived when they find out Heather is, like, taking estrogen pills to try to get a cup size bigger or something like that. And they're like, I don't think that's how that works, though. But anyway, um, because she's been taking her mom's estrogen pills or whatever, they decide, like, you know, okay, well, what else can we do to John? Be like, well, what would be worse for someone like John Tucker you know if he's like this masculine man you know or whatever what is more scary to a man than not being manly i guess And so what they decide is that they are going to put estrogen into his, like, um, muscle powder he drinks or something or whatever. So they get a bunch of this estrogen pills, powder, whatever the hell, and they throw it into his, like, muscle powder he drinks, while also a cover of Hit Me With Your Best Shot is, like, playing, too, um, which is, they have some fun little covers in this as well. They have this one and a couple other ones that come up, but anyway, uh so he unknowingly gets this estrogen put into his like muscle powder or whatever he's drinking. And Heather says something to him about like, you know, you're looking real lean. Like, you know, the lean looks looks for some guys, but I think you definitely need to bulk up. So you need to drink more of it. And so that was like fun and dandy. Um, (laughs) We then have chem class with uh, Scott and Kate, where they have their little uh, continuation of their meat, if you will, I guess like that, you know, where they get to, kind of have more of a a deeper connection if you will but like not really though it's just very surface level it's chem class and it's also showing off that like uh kate is supposed to be like smart and like you know this is again why she's not like this popular person but like you know it's just to show this other side of her and you know also trying to maybe have this relationship or beginning to have this with scott Uh, then they have the basketball game actually going on, and so what ends up happening is John progressively, through the the game, he, um... (laughs) like, for example, like, of course, like, with basketball, you're kind of running up against each other, right? And so he's like, dude, like, stop, like, you know, my nipples are sensitive, uh, and all this kind of stuff. He just gets, like, super emotional, because I guess he's on estrogen, and of course, estrogen makes you fucking emotional, I guess, but okay. But anyway, so, like, yeah, and like, and then it ends up happening. Of like, uh what ends up happening is that, like, you know, he's just like out of the game. And he's just like it's always about me. It's always about John, 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 John. Um, you know, because the the coach is like kind of riding him a little bit. Um, and then he just like ends up just running off of the court, which is just very kind of silly, I guess. Really, and so he runs off that court. I also think, like, in a weird way, I I don't know how like how mask. I mean, Jesse metcalf is like. He's a dude, but like, I don't know, like, I kind of wonder, I'm just like, it could have been really funny... Because I, I also listened to another, I listened to another podcast uh, who covered this movie Sleepover Cinema. Uh, they're like really they're two um, sisters who cover teen movies of the two thousands, and you know they did an episode on this, and I, I listened to their episode a little bit, and they made an interesting point that I kind of get into or that I kind of like a little bit, which I thought it would have been a little funny is if like John Tucker ended up being gay because I could see it in this movie a little bit. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like, I'm kind of like, uh, okay, all right. And it would have been funny for Jesse Metcalf to do that too, of just being like, oh, that would have been kind of fun. Again, I'm a gay, so I would take it whatever you want to say, I guess. But like, that would have been kind of funny if he was if that was his kind of like arc or whatever. It kind of would have made it would have been bad, but anyway. So uh, so the girls think that John has been ruined after this, right? They think like you know, oh, okay, like we 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 showed him, right? Like ooh, um. But then what ends up happening is that a bunch of hot girls. <laughs> end up throwing themselves at John Tucker because he's like emotionally you know stable and un- available and like all of this. Um also I will point out that one of the uh hot girls that he comes across is Nikki Klein who if you haven't if you don't already know, she is literally I think still a part of. I actually haven't watched uh, the second season of it, but she it was a part of the Nexium cult that was a thing. Um, she, along with Alison Mac, who I think she knew because they're both Canadian. But anyway, uh, yeah, she's in that, she was in that cult and she still, I think, might be a follower of Keith Raniere, I guess. But yeah, that's the whole thing. Anyway, but, uh, before that, she was in this movie. She was also in Saved, if you didn't already know that. She was in the um, the Godflight band. Like she was actually in there too, because I think that was done. In, that was definitely not in Canada. I talked about it, but uh, yeah. But I just thought that was really you watching it. I was just like, oh, that's that lady. Okay. I was watching the second season of The Valley, and I think she's in it. She talks about it a little bit, but anyway, or she talks about being in the the group or whatever. But back to the movie. So what ends up happening though is that John. Um, I guess he hasn't had it yet, but like he has all of these girls like kind of throwing them at themselves. Right. And so what ends up happening is that he respectively breaks up with all three of these girls and they're just like, well, fuck, like that didn't help. Damn it. What do we do now? Um, so what ends up happening is the girls, they come over to Kate's house and they're like pigging out after they got broken up with. And so this is where the, cause they're pigging out and whatever the hell. And, uh, they then decide to hatch this plan of like, you know, well, what can we do? Like everything we've tried to like take him down hasn't worked. And, you know, well, he broke up with all of us, you know, like how are we supposed to do anything? And then I think it's Carrie who says not all of us. And so then this is where they kind of have this idea, very teen girl movie of it to decide that they're going to take the, the girl who hasn't, who is maybe considered different than them and make her over or do something to, like, make her someone different, if you will. And I put in my notes, I'm like, Brittany Smo is supposed to be ugly, question mark? I think I mentioned that earlier, but, like, I was like, "Yeah, no, are we supposed to believe that, like... Uh, I don't know, I guess Brittany Snow is supposed to be a different kind of character than the other three of these girls, so I just was like, oh, okay, but, like, so they have to, like, they don't do, like, a makeover-makeover montage, but, like, still, I'm just like, okay, so you just have to make her a different person, I guess, um, so that John would be interested in her, and and then you can fuck with him that way. So that's kind of, like, where the, that's where this turns a little bit as well, so that's kind of the rest of the movie for us in this situation. Um, so after her, you know, change of everything, um, Kate joins the cheerleading squad uh, at the behest of Heather. And so when um, replacing one of the uh, the girls on the cheerleading squad, who's a sprain um, and she promptly just falls and fumbles because she's not because she's not that. That's not who she is. But then in the middle of this, though, um, John ends up seeing Kate and is intrigued by her. But Heather, of course, is like, well, you know, it's not going to happen. She's not in a high school, boys. I mean, who else would she be into? She's uh, supposed to be underage, but okay, whatever. Um, anyway, so then uh, we end up having Uh, a little bathroom meeting, which I thought was very funny because it's like her and Heather. So it's Kate and Heather and they have this meeting um, with the rest of the girls who just so happen to be in the bathroom at the same time um, as them. So I I thought that was kind of funny actually. What ends up happening is that they decide, you know, have you even done... I thought you said you had experience with these kinds of guys. Be like, you know, have you ever dated anybody? Like, they kind of get down to this. And she's like, well, you know, my mom has dated guys like this. So I have an understanding of it, but I myself haven't. And, you know, are we doing this like a little bit soon or are we doing this? Are we doing this where she's getting it over her head? Uh, but they're like, you know what? Well, no, like we can make this work, you know? And so they end up making it work. So John ends up asking Kate out, uh, but she rebuffs him because that's what she's been told to do. Like, they they tell her, for example, like, you know, don't do this, do this, da 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 One of the things that I think Harry says is, like, uh, before you answer a question he asks you, wait three seconds in your head uh, before you respond to him. Um, and then, of course, they have to throw in uh, the R-slur in here as well, because it's 2006, baby. But anyway, so then... Um yeah, but uh, she is asked out by John, but he she rebuffs him again because she's kind of told to pretty much. And then what ends up happening is that she's back in chem class, I think, or something like that. And they end up, uh, John sends a bunch of flowers to her, um, cause it's like one boy who's giving her a flower and then it's like a bunch of other boys coming in to give her flowers and then he's like talking over the loudspeaker or something like that cause he's like doing this like thing of like he's interested in her and he wants her to see that, I guess. Um, but then the girls meet up and they find out, um, about how what Carrie is doing. So she's actually because she's the video girl, she's the person, she's a ju- video journalist, she is uh documenting pretty much the downfall of John Tucker. That's what she's been doing. Uh as part of this, um, we see that Carrie has uh Kate give a message to John, which ends up being pretty much like, you know, there's only one kind of guy in the world for me, John Tucker, but you aren't him or whatever. And they have her do it a couple different times, you know, and all that, because um, it's supposed to be like, you know, ooh, she really told him, right? Uh, then I see that uh, John and Scott, they meet up because they're brothers, and so john is asking like you know you're lab partners with kate right like what's what's her deal like what's what's she about and (laughs) of course scott's talking about like you know well yeah she's deep man you know she listens to this she listens to obscure podcasts good girl um but you know she's like a different type of type of person I i don't know if you can really get into that and of course he like john says like you know i can be deep like i'm dating the poetry club which i thought was kind of fun but what ends up then happening is that again um from john he then asks kate out um to the beach i believe uh, it's like a kind of lake beach area or whatever that they have i guess and so she then accepts because she decides you know okay well i gotta do this at some point right and so then uh what ends up happening is that the girls they're like all right well okay this is happening so they end up setting up a camera uh in like uh, kate's bra i think it is so that you know they're able to kind of document this whole thing right um and so then Kate and John they end up going to the beach that they are saying they're going at they end up going there and uh you know again it's kind of this nice thing where John is like showing that he's like interested in her and of course like you know she's told like by the other girls she's like you know you gotta make sure like you know you keep this in mind keep that in mind you know don't let yourself fall too hard you know you have all this going on. You see that they're like uh, roasting marshmallows at the, you know, at a fire pit or something. It's very nice and cute. Um, and so then, then I think for some reason, I think it's because she tells, she says that she has to go pee or something like that. She's like, um, TMI, sorry. And he's like, it's okay, don't worry. Um, Anyway, so then uh, Beth ends up... So then what ends up happening is that Kate goes back to the Jeep, I guess, that uh, they drove in, and she's just like, I've got a over my head. And Beth is like coming to her rescue a little bit, and she's just like... She's like, what are you doing? Like, you know, um, and she's just like, oh, I don't really know. Like, you know, what ends up happening is that, like, Beth and Kate end up in the Jeep together, right? John's Jeep. She's like, I I think, like, he wants to kiss me and, like, I haven't really had anyone kiss me before. And then, of course, Beth teaches Kate how to kiss because the thing about Beth in this movie is that she's supposed to... Uh, be the the promiscuous one, if if you will. Um, and so, because of she's a vegan or something, or because she's environmentalist or whatever, I don't know. But anyway, so then uh, of course this has to have the uh, the obligatory lesbian uh, like little thing in here. I guess it's not really even anything. It's very whatever. I don't know. Yeah, of course you have to have that kiss, and then of course like this creepy guy, this like young man, he's like you know. They kiss her again, do it, and then they say something about like holy drama llama or something like that. I was just like, I don't think that caught on, but anyway, so. What ends up happening, though, is that John ends up coming back to the Jeep. And then, of course, like, Beth is all like, oh, shit, I got to go hide. But he doesn't see her. And so uh, (laughs) John gets in the truck to, like, go and take Kate home or whatever. um, And he drives Kate home. And then, of course, like, uh, Beth is in the backseat, like, under a hoodie or something. She's like, oh, no, like, I can't let him know I'm here. And then, of course, like, you know, uh, Carrie and Heather, they're like, you know, they're like, oh my God, Beth's in the truck. Beth is still in the truck. And, she, and, um, Carrie says like slut in truck. Um, and so she has to like, they're having to like kind of trail them a little bit. Um, in the meantime, I think they have this thing where like, you know, um, they're talking to one another. This is where Kate says something about like, um, they're talking about like music. John asks like, what kind of music do you like? And then he, she's like, you know, good music. Um and then saying something about like you know, um Kate says something where, like, well if I told you, I'd have to kill you or something. And so anyway, uh, he starts playing Elvis Costello, which I think was like, uh, it's a it's some it's an artist that Kate likes, and so she's like, it's like it's okay, you know. Um, anyway, so he ends up driving Kate home, and they're back to where she's at, and then. He walks her to the door, and he decides not to kiss her because he wants everything to go well. He doesn't want to mess anything up by going too fast, so he just wants to drop her off at the door. And then Kate decides that she's going to actually kiss him, I and mean, that's what ends up happening with that. Then the sprinklers go off, and then they end up actually getting to the door, and then they kiss... Actually actually more but then of course what ends up happening is because they're wet because of the sprinklers the camera that is in her bra is like starting to malfunction and short circuit so it's like sparking and like you know zapping her and so she's like i gotta go um, and so she goes into her house um and then in this meantime while they're doing this like you know because i think that's what kate's trying to do is trying to distract john from leaving because heather um because Beth is still trying to get away, but she's like stuck on his Jeep or something. So she, uh, Kate's trying to buy her some time so that she can she can leave and escape. And then of course we find out, we find out that, that Beth actually had ripped her skirt and she was like, you know, I'm not even with the guy and he gets me out of my skirt, you know, or whatever. And so they, the three girls all end up getting back together and they leave. And then John leaves um, with his Jeep and like literally Beth's skirt is like, on his tire or something which i don't know how he didn't end up seeing that at some point but oh well um anyway so then kate and her mom after this date they're talking a little bit and like i believe it is that like it's that moment of like the mom talking to the daughter about like you know who who are you now like you know a month ago you wouldn't even like to you and you know of course like kate's all like you know well a month ago i wasn't anybody and now i'm somebody you know and then, of course, like, Lori's all like, you know, well, don't forget who you are, you know, and uh, but Kate kind of reads her mom a little bit, too, because, you know, she's talking about how, like, you know, mom, I come to you for a lot of different things, but this is not something I would necessarily come to you for um, because of how her relationships have been in the past and all that. But anyway, so then I, I say we have our sappy teen movie moment, which is what I was just talking about uh, with the mom and, and Kate and everything. The girls are gaming, so they're all like together and they're playing like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or something, and also have like a pizza and stuff, as you do. And anyway, so they uh fuck with John because John is like outside. I guess this is another night or something, but uh, he's outside in his jeep, like uh, across the street from where uh Kate lives, and he calls her and they're like fucking with him a little bit because um, they're saying, Oh, there's some perv outside, I think we just need to call the cops or something. He's like in a jeep or something and what ends up happening is he like like he's like oh no like i have to like get out of here so he like backs his car up into some trash cans and then he leaves and again they're just kind of messing with him a little bit too but then we have we have this other part where like okay they're gonna have another date and they decide to do that um and then john takes kate so she's being taken to this restaurant that I think she works, worked at works at whatever. Um, but he, they're not going to the restaurant instead. He ends up taking her out on a boat, which is called fast break. I think it was. And, uh, <laughs> so the girls, uh, are also the other girls are like following them and trailing them a little bit. Um, and so yeah, Kate gets taken out on the boat and then the uh, other girls who are following them, uh, end up, trailing them and they're like I never got on the boat did you ever get on the boat and like I was never taken on the boat and so then um so the other girls they get into this motorboat to like try to trail them and then they're like you know <laughs> they're just like can this move any faster like whatever it's very funny these these girls have really good chemistry I think they're very funny with each other and anyway so then what ends up happening is that one of them I think it's Beth or somebody or I think no it's Heather it's Heather who like um, tries to like because it ends up stalling out or whatever and then they she tries to like make the motor go again but then the motor falls into the water and so they don't have any way of actually getting there and they're just stranded now and then they're just kind of left there but i was just like oh my god this is like so stupid hilarious it's kind of funny uh that part's like funny to me because i'm just like they have some fun comedic moments of just like being with each other but you see Jay, uh kate and john are on the boat together and you know john's just trying to like be charming and he is actually being charming in some way which is kind of fun you know again he's still kind of a you know He's a weird character, but, like, you know, he is actually, like, putting on the moves and, like, trying to really... And Kate's even talking about how, like, you know, all this stuff, like, that I was thinking before or whatever, like, now it's kind of all up in the air because this, I think, is the point where you're seeing that she's kind of falling for him more so. And funny enough, that's also what happens in this next scene where the girls um and Kate, they get together after Kate has been out on the boat, and so... This is where they come to like, you know, oh, like I know that look. Like you're you you're falling for him. You're in love with him. Like, don't don't let yourself fall too hard. Like, because you know, we've all been there. Like, you know, it's not real, Kate. You're not actually dating him. So what ends up happening is that in some way, somehow, Carrie decides that, you know, she needs to figure out like what John actually is thinking. Like, you know, if he's really falling for for Kate or whatever, but like carrie decides like all right i'm gonna go behind enemy lines and so she scopes out the uh the men's locker room um and so she's like hiding in a locker or something there uh, with her little like DV camera or some shit like that back from 2006. And she's just like, I'm, I'm reporting behind Emily Lines. I think Ariel Krebel does a great job in this movie. I think she's very funny. Um, and so I think she's great, but we see the guys, these, uh, basketball guys, they, they're coming back from uh, a practice, I guess. You also just see them doing gross boy things like, you know, making fart sounds with like their, uh, well, with their actual ass, I guess. But then also, um, with like their, uh, armpits and shit and you're just I just have my notes that she sees how gross men are right instead of just like literal farting but like also just like they're talking about how like the men are talking about how like you know um you're telling me you haven't tapped you know Kate yet blah 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 and whatever whatever and I think John's even saying like you know boys boys you know like you don't just pop a uh Bordeaux 82 just because it's on your shelf you know and and He's talking about this away game because that's been also brought up um, earlier as well. But I think uh, Carrie, she did bring this up of like, you know, the best way to, you know, try to take him down is at the away game that we're going to be doing. Right. Um, But he mentions something about this away game where, you know, let's just say I'm going to be scoring more than baskets at this away game. And so. Carrie then gets this on film and she's just like, got it. Awesome. All right. So then um, (laughs) we then see that, you know, all right, we have that kind of tied up a little bit where, you know, um, you see how gross men are. And then also Carrie has that uh, for later. But then. Kate and Scott, they're back in chem class now because, of course, they were lab partners back before. Uh, but now Scott has gotten all um, weird and distant with with Kate because now they're not lab partners or whatever. And so they're getting all weird. And dis- you know, he's being all weird and distanced with her or whatever. But then you have a scene after this is where Kate and her mom are talking. And I believe this is a scene where Kate is talking to her mom because her mom is going out on the state with this pilot. And Because she's on her way out to the away game she's going to go to. And so she has this whole um, moment with her mom where she's talking about, like, you know, it's no wonder I don't know how how a functional relationships works because I've never seen one, you know? And, And, of course, because Lori doesn't really like how Kate has, you know, kind of what she's turned into or whatever. And so... Again, this is just, like, Kate reading her mom for how her relationships have been and all of that. And I like how, um because the pilot's there, and then, uh, you know, Kate's like, really, Mom? Like, are you kidding me? Like, are you really going to go out with Skip again? Be like, don't call him Skip. Um, but she does say something to the pilot where she's like, don't forget to f- lock the front door when you sneak out, uh, which I thought was very good. And so she's leaving, you know, Kate leaves for the away game she's going to go to. So then you have... um the actual hotel after the away game that they've had, because the away game, they actually won, uh, I, I guess is what I gathered. Um, anyway, so then they're in their rooms. So like, you know, they they somehow all just end up in the same room, of course. Uh, so, because I guess Kate and Heather would be there, but like the other two just came as well. But anyway, so then um, they're in the hotel after the away game and uh, the girls end up showing, kate the video that john said and so this kind of puts some fire under her of being like oh well if that's what he thinks like you know let's play him his own game and so what ends up happening is uh they have kate go in the bathroom and put on this like lingerie and so now uh kate is suddenly hot apparently now because they're just like you really need to wear underwear more at school oh my god you look so good and so what ends up happening is that kate then goes and video chats uh john like uh john's uh, friend tommy or something played by uh fatso fosano or something he uh <laughs> john's like you know all right get out of here like i've gotta i gotta talk to gotta talk to kate you know and so what ends up happening is like kate is like talking to uh john but she's being fed what to say from the other girls that are off screen or that are off the camera screen and so then um they're like telling him like they're telling him pretty much like you know I got you a present um and like you know uh, what ends up happening is that Kate has John wear this skimpy outfit. Cause she's like, well, if you just want to come over to my room, I'm like three rooms down from you. Um, if you want to like, you can't go out in the hallway because the coach is out there, but you know, if you like s- go on the balconies, I I'm, you know, you can slide over and we can do a little something, you know, and pretty much talking about like, you know, she's like kind of, flirting with him and, and seducing him in a way um, as she's supposed to do because you know again he thinks he's going to score but you know she wants to be able to kind of pull that out from under him so then <laughs> John puts on the skimpy underwear which I think he looks great in um, and he goes down to the uh, to the room that he's told to go to uh, he like scales the balconies and just like goes and, and gets in this room that's like dark So he then gets in the bed in this, like, little thong underwear thing, and uh, we end up finding out that actually this is Coach Williams is who it is. Uh, Coach Williams, this is uh, their room, and then, um, you know, of course, she, like, takes him by the ear, she, like, knocks on the coach's door, and she's like, I believe this belongs to you, Um, and so... He is John is humiliated in front of everyone, which is really what the girls wanted at this point. Um, but then he ends up turning lemons into lemonade uh, because when they get back to school, they think like you know, okay, yeah, we f- we really did something for him, like we really missed his life up again. Uh, But then it ends up being that, like, he ends up wearing this thong underwear again. This is supposed to be something that embarrasses him. But then wearing this thong and he's, like, turning it into something where it's, like, you know, it's breezy, you know, and and you can really move around. Of course, he makes, like, a basket where, like, he, like, literally is doing gymnastics or some shit. It's crazy. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, you know... And then you see that everybody else is like, all these other guys are wearing these thongs as well, which is just really silly and stupid. Um, which I just think it's like really, really hilarious in a weird way. But anyway, so then after all of this, John is talking to Kate and what ends up happening is, cause she says something to him where she's like, oh, so you don't want to pop me like a 82 Bordeaux or whatever. And he's like, where'd you hear that from? Um, and, <laughs> But it ends up happening, though. Like, John is, like, really interested in Kate, and he wants to be with her. What ends up happening is she, uh he gives her his watch, and that's, like, a really big step. And he literally asks, like, for Kate to be his girlfriend, which is a big deal and really kind of, like, what they wanted in a way. Um That's kind of what the girls wanted to, like, get to that point. But now it's like, you know, we got to, like, now tear him down and we're coming like to the like halfway point of this movie or like half we're like 75% done um but uh Kate and Scott they're talking a little bit as well um because now it's all hitting Kate at the same time of like you know oh this guy just asked me to be his girlfriend but like here's this this is the moment where I believe Scott because he's like not really in this movie a whole lot at all but like Scott reads kate pretty much because like you know he's talking about how like you know the reason that like he wants to be your girlfriend is because like he thinks that this is the most honest relationship he's had and you know got who you know and so yeah maybe he did do all that stuff like beforehand but you know it's, he's john tucker like what do you want like you know of course he did that what kind of person would do that, you know? And he's reading her a little bit because he's like, yeah, but this is what you did. Like you also have pretended this whole time to like, you know, get back at this guy you've pretended all this time. So that's where they're trying to get a little bit deep. I don't think it completely gets that deep, honestly, but there, this is the moment where they're trying to kind of have that as well. But then Kate and the mom, because there's the whole thing of like, you know, the friends are like, you know, oh my god, you actually love him. Like, you know, you're either against him or you're against us. If you yeah, you're either against him or you're against us. And so then Kate and mom, they have their little heart-to-heart that they have cuz of course they have to have that um, where Kate's just like, I don't know where anything is anymore. I I'm in this fake relationship. Uh, these people aren't even really my friends, I guess. Da-da-da-da-da. But they have this little uh, heart-to-heart And Lori, the mom, is, like, saying, you know, well, you could try being yourself for once um, in this whole situation and, you know, see what happens from there. And that's what Kate decides to do. She decides that she needs to stop lying. She needs to stop trying to do whatever the fuck to John Tucker. And she just has to live, live what's her honesty, really. So then we're at Jun Tucker's birthday, um, which is supposed to be, like, homecoming and prom and, like, all this shit. It's supposed to be, like, really lit, apparently. So I have in my notes, I'm like, what kind of party is this? But, like, it's supposed to be, like, this big bumping thing. I'm like, I mean, we do get the the uh, line that he is loaded, so of course, like his parents are able to pay for all this shit. But it's like, okay, whatever. Anyway, so then um, <laughs> they have like this stage with like this DJ and like everyone's having a good time or whatever. Then they have this cake for for John, but it ends up having like these buxom women like pop out of it, and like I think they're strippers. I don't know, maybe hey, nothing wrong with strippers. But anyway, so uh, yeah, they're just at this party. So like the three girls are at this party. I love Ashanti's hair at this uh party. It looks so good. It's like real straight and nice. Like her hair looks really good out. Uh, Everyone's hair looks really good, but Ashanti's in this scene looks really, really good. But pretty much what happens is that Kate goes there. And of course, John is like, you know, he's all interested because he's like, oh, yeah, girlfriend. Uh, But then she reveals the truth of all of this because what was that? What was happening was that I think Carrie gave uh, Tommy or whatever, the guy DJing, gives him the video to play because, um, again, the whole point is that, like, they're trying to humiliate John Tucker, um, but then, like, Kate is like, you know, all right, fuck this, like, I can't do that anymore, and she reveals the whole truth of, like, hey, look, like, you know, we did all of this to, like, get back at you, and, like, we've all been working together to try to, you know what is it we've pretty much done this to get back at you and all of that and you know what i'm just now needing to like kind of lay it out in the open now and that's pretty much where it comes at and then so it's them and then you know um i think somebody like because they're trying to have a moment like kate's just like hey kate and she's like yeah and then someone like throws a drink at her or something and then (laughs) The other girls get up there and they're like, you know, okay, so she lied. Like, say you haven't lied before. And then again, people, like, throw drinks at them again. And then John has to get on the fucking mic and he has to be like, listen, all of this is wrong. What these girls did was wrong. But you know what? What I also did was wrong as well. And so they have this whole thing. And then, of course, like there's this guy at the party who, by the way, is played by uh, this guy, Greg Sipes, who is a uh, voice actor. He is uh, mostly known as Beast Boy from Teen Titans uh, in every iteration of Teen Titans, but he's also been like other voices as well. He has a podcast with Tara Strong called The Ship It Show, which I think is really fun. You should go watch. But like, uh, yeah, he's in this movie randomly. It's funny because you can hear his Beast Boy voice because that's just like kind of his normal voice, honestly. Um, he he doesn't look anything like that now, but yeah, anyway, but, uh, <laughs> cause he's the guy who says like, you know, there's nothing wrong with hooking up with the hottest girls in school or whatever. And so then we end up having this like, um, end where it's like this cake fight or whatever. And I guess the whole point is to be like, you know, that like, well, what John has done I don't really know what the ending um, message of this movie is supposed to be. Like, it's supposed to be like, you know, maybe there wasn't anything wrong with what he was doing or something. I don't know. Um, because then at the end of this movie, we have that, uh, uh, we're back at school now and Scott and Kate, they are talking because, you know, this is now like, uh, cause John's not out not out of the picture uh, for Kate and everything. Cause they've all come clean with everything. And, and, uh, but he's, she's still interested in Scott and Scott is interested in her now and whatever. And of course the girls all say like, you know, oh my God, like you, are, are you trying to get with the other Tucker and whatever? And she's just like, you know what? Like, we're not going to do anything with him either. Like, you know, I think we'll take it a day at a time with him. Right. We then end up finding out that John uh, has a new girlfriend, but then he ends up, because he's talking about, like, you know, we got to go into this with an open mind. And so he introduces this girl to his other girlfriend. And so he's now polyamorous, I guess, apparently? Which I'm like, okay, good for him. Or whatever, I don't know. And so, uh, yeah. And then we have the actual end of this movie, where um, you have... Uh, Kate and the other girls, um, Carrie, Heather, and Beth, they're all together, and they have this uh, little sit-down. I'm pretty sure this was a reshoot, actually, because literally, I think Britney Snow looks a little bit different um, than she did in the beginning or in the rest of the movie, um, but I'm sure this was, like, kind of a reshot ending or something, um, and so yeah like they talk about like you know and the girl that you know made john tucker fall in love well now she's a legend and that's kind of how this movie ends pretty much and then we have like these little um bumpers where there's the one bumper where it's like uh the the teachers the male teachers of the school are now all wearing thongs because of john tucker apparently and they're just like late to the party or whatever and then you have this other um Bumper as well, like that's right after some of the credits, where it's actually these like very, uh, st- very stereotypical uh, Japanese ladies who are literally in geisha wear, um, who are on their cell phones or something that they have. And they see the, um, there was a photo of when John was wearing the thong underwear or whatever. And one of them literally says something like, Holy Dama Lama or something. And then it's like literally the end credits of this movie all right and then uh i guess that's the end of john tucker must die so if you couldn't already tell from just my like confused demeanor during the end of the movie of my plot summary yeah so that's the end of this movie i i don't really know what the end of the movie is supposed to be uh, honestly uh, the message of it you know like maybe it's supposed to be like you know yeah let these girls get back at the sky and then but it ends up being that like I don't really know what, th- somebody tell me, I guess, if you want, because I feel like this movie is, uh, something where I was like, okay, so he ends up just embracing the fact that he wants to be with more than one person, I guess, and he's living his truth with that. Uh, okay. I guess. All right. I'll maybe buy a little bit of it, but I, I think this film is uh, one where, I mean, it's definitely squarely in 2006 for sure. There's that, but then also just like, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I, I think it's cool that it was a female director, Betty Thomas. But it was written by a dude, and I mean, I think, like, it just maybe wasn't written as good as it could have been. Uh, I also think, like I said in my plot a little bit, I do think it would have been maybe a little bit more interesting if it was in college or something. Because it just feels weird with, like, some of the stuff that they did in this movie. And I think it would have worked a little bit better if these were college-age people, really. You know, maybe some of it would have would have been lost or whatever, but I don't know. Like, uh, again, I think this is a teen movie that, uh, it's a, a, a 2000s teen movie. Movie, you know, and, and it was kind of a mixed bag at the time. But, you know, it was a movie that they were trying to make because like, oh, let's get these stars of right now and let's put them in somewhere or whatever and, and see what happens. And so... I think that's really what this movie is, and and for some folks, it, it is this cult classic of a film, because it's very much a, uh, it is a female-directed movie, it's a movie that's about girls in a way, and I don't think it has a, a huge, I don't know how much of a feminist message it has that is like a positive one, I don't know, but again, I think uh, I've seen it classified as being kind of like trashy fun if you will um using that term but like i I could see a little bit of it i guess i mean again i think this movie is a little flawed in a way but uh i think it's a fun little kind of watch if you don't take it too seriously i think i gave it like a two and a half on letterboxd or something not i'm not amazed by it but i'm also like not thinking it's the worst thing out there but it's not anything to write home about so but if you do want to watch this movie at all, it was on Stars for a while, uh, but it is on Hulu right now. That's where I watched it. Uh, so yeah, pull up and watch it. it. I think it's a fun little weird time capsule of 2006 and seeing people like Penn Badgley and, and Brittany Snow and, and these people who were big stars uh, at the time, you know, and are still uh, stars in, in their own right, really. Um, It's cool to kind of see their early work and just have fun with it. So, yeah, go out there and get yourself some... get yourself some John Tucker if you will I will also never understand this title really of like John Tucker must die like why did they name it this but okay but yeah so go watch it if you want and you know if you want to have a fun little 2000s teen time like I don't know just uh, do yourself a favor and watch it it might be fun for you if you like it as always if you'd like to get in touch with me you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com if you'd like to give any movie recommendations give feedback on the show or if you'd just like to say hey I'm open to all of it you can also follow the show on instagram at cult cinema circle and on twitter at cult cine circle i tend to announce the movies that i'm going to be covering and just interact with people on there if they want you can also follow me on letterboxd at jesse j-e-s-s-e kremp k-r-e-m-p all one word on that platform i tend to log the movies that i watch i write little stupid reviews about them and just general foolishness over there Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much on all of them. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show. Uh, So we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, where I'll be covering 1996's Wish Upon a Star. A younger sister wishes to switch places with her popular older sister, and the two bickering siblings awaken to find the wish has come true. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, John Tucker, there's only one guy out there for me, but you are not him. Take care. Bye. Bye.